1: Do they sell Marc Jacobs or Chanel in this grocery store? This is Flop Culture. listening to Flop Culture, a podcast where we mainly talk about flops, but we also occasionally talk about bops and celeb goss with me, Fanula Jones, your host, Master of Ceremonies and Flop Queen. I'm thrilled to have you here. There is lots to talk about, so let's get into it. Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney. Are they? Aren't they? Who are they? She's everything. He's just Glenn. Uh, Yes, they are two actors. You might have seen Glenn probably most recently in Top Gun Maverick. Sydney Sweeney, breakout star of Euphoria in lots of other bits and bobs, kind of defining herself as like a secondary style icon to like Zendaya in terms of the stars from that show. Uh, Most recently just walked uh, at the Met Gala, looked incredible. There have been a lot of rumours around their relationship status, Glenn and Sydney. So they just finished filming a rom-com together called Anyone But You. And why this is kind of interesting is because they were, are still, maybe, timelines unknown, who knows, were in relationships with other people, but now fans have kind of gone mad looking at these interactions with them uh, at conventions, kind of outtakes between filming, the people have spotted on sex. People reckon they're very cozy, right? And people are kind of throwing up the age-old question, is this a thing where you shoot the movie together and you fall in love, yada, 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 right? So basically Glenn Powell was in a relationship with someone called Gigi Paris must be her confirmation name uh, a model but she seemingly kind of announced their split earlier this week and I think it was confirmed to people then or someone that they had like secretly split which isn't the correct use of the word secretly because then nobody knows about it but people knows about it anyway uh they seemingly broke up after the fact of all this Sydney is currently engaged to a man named Jonathan Devino, but there were loads of pictures of him circulating the internet around the time that all of these other rumours around her and Glenn were coming out, uh, basically showing photos of him carrying a load of things out of their house, seemingly. So then people were like, oh, okay, they're doshed. But then they were photographed together very recently, as in like a couple of days ago, going for dinner after those initial photos. So maybe they're not. But she is also apparently not wearing her engagement ring anymore. So read into that what you will. As far as this movie goes, as I mentioned, it's Anyone But You. It's R rated. So like lots of nudity, basically, lots of lots of baps and jabbers out. And (laughs) uh, yeah, Will Gluck is directing it. He is actually the guy behind Easy A and Friends of Benefits. He's a good track record with rom-coms. They only wrapped filming last month, so April. There's no release date yet, right? And that's important because of what I'm going to talk about at the end. Uh, It's actually a very loose adaptation of a Shakespeare play, uh, Much Do About Nothing. I was about to say I know about you, but that's what the movie's called. And it's basically like their college arch nemeses and they reunite after graduation for this destination wedding. And at this wedding, they pretend to be a couple for their own personal reasons. Like so far, so Bridgerton, right? Without the dresses. But through pretending, they actually fall in love. It's giving enemies to lovers, et cetera, et cetera. But basically, this whole conversation has been around like, are they together or is this just incredible PR for this movie? And I'll tell you what, right? I, I don't think it is PR, okay? So I think it's too soon, first of all. Is there a chance that they could now try and rush release this? Maybe because they have finished it. I don't know. I don't think so. It's just way too early in the game. I think the provisional rumors that it's like 2025 or something. I don't actually think it'll be that long now of a release date, but that's way too long to sustain something like this in terms of people's interests. Like if you're going to do this, I think you need to do it like when the promo actually starts which I mean it starts from the minute the movie's announced in a way but it does not really kick into high gear until obviously closer to release because that just makes sense because again you want people to remember I just I think it's too soon I think maybe maybe they're dicking around and they're together now and loves young dream and whatever I think that's actually I think it's more realistic that they're like together and it wasn't PR but it's like will potentially be really good PR if they're still together by the time this comes out. But I don't think it's like deliberate. No, I don't think so. I don't know. What do you think? Are they together? Are they not together? Is this all fake? Have we all been suckered in? I don't know. I just think if you're going to be doing PR as well, you need to be doing more than like... The clips I've seen, yeah, they look very cozy. They look very friendly. They look like... They kind of want to jump each other. But in some ways, she's like, she's like calling them Top Gun and they have all these cute little pet names. Like, if you're not literally in each other's armpits on the red carpets, I don't care. Like, take a leaf out of Oscar Isaac's book. You know what I mean? We all thought that him and Jessica Chastain were fucking and all he was doing was checking if she had B.O., you know what I mean? Just grazing her arm, just like admiring moisturiser. And then they never spoke again after that. And we were all like, oh my God, I've never seen a hornier man for a woman. We were agog. So, Glenn, that's what you need to be doing. Or look at Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. What was that movie called again? Tell me something, girl. Stars born. That's what I meant. Just like we thought Gaga was tearing apart marriages. You know what I mean? That's, that's what this. I nearly wanted to go further and let Sydney and your man get married. And then Glenn's, like, home record of the year. You know what I mean? Swoops in, turns up to the wedding. I object. That's what we want. I need, like, home record level, Grammys, piano, duet. Maybe it was the Oscars. Remember when Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper did that duet? And it was like, it was like watching. They might as well have had sex on stage. That's how intimate it felt. But anyway... We'll see about that. Maybe we'll organise a group Flop Culture trip to the cinema to see anyone but you. Hopefully it's not one of those really annoying streamer only releases because that would be much more irritating to organise. But anyway, let me know what you think. Real? Not real? Get in touch. At Flop Culture underscore pod everywhere on social media. So last week, I got to go behind the scenes at Angela Scanlon's Ask Me Anything and sit in on, I thought it was this week's episode, but it's actually next week's episode. So you might see me, the audience, if you're watching. The guests are unreal. The interviews are so, so good and really caught me off guard because, you know, sometimes you hear, you hear it's going to be a certain guest and you're like, okay, I I know everything about this, but like it might be a little bit of a laugh. There were some people on the couch this particular week that I was really I learned so much about them and kind of fell in love with them even more so you're really in for a treat with that particular episode Uh, but I also got to sit down with the woman herself Angela Scanlon to talk about the show as well as her favorite flop and a flop of her own that she wants to bring back which I thought was very interesting. So without further ado here is my chat with Angela Scanlon. Enjoy! Angela, how are you? Great I'm to you. speak to you on Flav Culture. How are Thanks you? Thanks for
2: having me. I'm really well, thank you. You look fabulous. <laughs> thank you. So She's do you. She's all in pink, head to toe. Nails, pink dress, pink sparkly shoes. Dress exactly
1: like the set. Like I'm obsessed my with it. Yeah. How happy are you to be back doing? Ask me anything. I am delighted. be back. It feels like, um, yeah,
2: it feels less like work this time. Um, And we just have brilliant guests who are all properly
1: up for it. And um, yeah, it's good. It's good. Can you give any hints as to some more upcoming guests on the show for people to look out for? Well, next week is a mixed bag. Uh,
2: (laughs) In the best possible way. I love a mixed bag.
1: Um,
2: It is Dermot O'Leary,
1: Love yeah,
2: it, love Silver him. Fox, See, oh, my Well, fave. yeah, he's a busy silver... Silver... E. Uh, yeah, hair. Yeah. Des Bishop, who is absolutely no, is silver a Silver Fox. He is a Silver Fox, yeah. Yeah, and Jackie Hurley, who's <gasps> just taken over da, 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 Sunday game. So it's like a yeah nice nice mix and lovely uh, synergies between all of them. I love the word synergies.
1: <sighs> I love it too is there any guest that's like kind of top of your dream you know still escaping you haunts your dreams and nightmares that you're like I need to get them on the pink couch I want to talk to them I want to ask them something I would love to tackle Roy Keane I'd love to he's so terrifyingly
2: brutal that I feel like that if you, if you could break him
1: in an interview I think that would be quite an achievement. Truly, absolutely. One for the CV. Yeah. Did anyone surprise you this season with what they shared? Anyone kind of caught you off guard? I mean, Magella O'Donnell caught me off guard because, you
2: know, I opened by saying, what, like, pick one, pick, one th- pick sex, drugs or rock and roll. And she went straight for sex. She was, <laughs> which I just was not expecting. I thought she'd bat the question away and we'd just move on. And, um, yeah, she told us she's into medicinal marijuana. Um, she... Yeah, talked quite, in like, a bit of depth about her goings-on with Daniel in the room, and that just was not... Like, Daniel leaves £50 notes on her pillow when he goes away. I was like, babe, I feel that's offensive, but she didn't. She thought, no, it's nice, it's lovely, which... It actually kind of is. Mm. I'm raging I don't get
1: money left on my pillow. Yeah, no, he sounds like my dream man. If he wasn't before, he is now. He's fully dream legend. Oh, yeah. love him, love him. Angela, the show is called Flop Culture. It's all about our favourite flops. So I have a question for you that's kind of two-pronged. You've obviously done a lot of TV, uh, extensive broadcasting work. I'm wondering if there's a project that you were involved with that, you know, maybe was axed before its time or was unfairly criticised by critics that you feel so strong about and think people should give another chance. Oh, I feel so...
2: You don't even have to finish the question. Robot Wars <laughs> was a show that I did with fellow Irishmen for the BBC for three... We did three series, right? It was a reboot of a show that Craig Charles had done back in the day. Oh, was, I know it. Okay. And so you don't okay. need to tell me okay. I loved Robot Wars. Ro- our one or that one? Both. Okay, fine. Um, So... Anyway, I felt like we were just getting into our stride. We were three series in. We had, like now, we had a couple of million viewers every Sunday evening. Anyway, they put us up against Blue Planet. Blue Planet, which was David Attenborough, and it was also a family audience, which was what ours was. But anyway, sorry, this is not about me. Well, it kind of is, because it was obviously (laughs) a job that I lost, and I'm still furious about it. But actually, I just feel like that was... It was a show that showcased STEM. We were starting to see girls come through with their family and building robots and yes some of them were bins with lids on and a brush for an axe Mm -hmm. but like there was a kind of I don't know there was a heart and there was an innocence and there was a purity to that show and a wild destruction and an outlet for that and there aren't that many outlets that are dressed up
1: as family entertainment yeah I could have been a scientist only for the fact that it was cancelled so I hope they I hope they bear that responsibility exactly that and then very quickly before I let you go is there a a movie album TV show that you love that people think is terrible that you will defend till the end Avril Lavigne (gasps) Controversial. Okay,
2: right. Now, I don't know if she's widely criticised, but I I do hear people rolling their eyes and see them rolling their eyes at Avril Lavigne. But she was pivotal in, like, at a very angsty moment for me. And I feel like she's underrated. Mm. Like, everyone bangs on about Taylor Swift. And yes, you know, she's a thing. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. But Avril Lavigne, I just feel like maybe was just a bit before her time yeah and like absolute belters and bangers and quite like yeah she was feminist and glorious and I think she should be cooler she is cooler than she's given credit for that's what absolutely. I'm saying absolutely justice for
1: Avril Lavigne play let it go for uh, or let go even okay. God. <laughs> I'm And if I'm exposed no, myself as a fake Adina Avril Adina fan. No, Menzel. <laughs> <Adina> Menzel. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Adele the wickedly talented Adele the Zee. Adele the Zee. Okay, oh we could God. say they all night making yeah. noise at each other, but you okay. do have a show to present. I do, Andrew uh, yes. Angela Scanlon's Ask Me Anything. Stream RT Player, watch it. A pleasure to speak to you. Thank Thank you so much for shake hands. Being on Flap Culture. Yeah, let's shake hands. Even though no one can see this. Those (laughs) those nails are
2: low. Oh my god, look at your commitment (laughs) to the vibe is insane, and I'm here for it. Thank you.
1: (laughs) A huge thank you to Angela for chatting to me for Flap Culture. Angela Scanland's Ask Me Anything airs Saturday nights on RT1 at 9 30 p.m. And if you missed any of the episodes so far, you can catch up on RT Player. Now, I think it's time to get into this week's flop, don't you? Female friendship can be beautiful. It can be enriching. It can be fulfilling. It can be enraging. It can be so complex. And for years, we've watched female friendships play out on a small screen, from soap operas to teen dramas to reality TV franchises. One show that stands head and shoulders above the rest, however, in my opinion, and my guest's opinion, The Simple Life a reality show that brought its stars Paris Hilton and Nicole Ritchie to another level of fame. But in doing so, it also put their friendship under a microscope. Joining me to discuss The Simple Life is writer and podcaster Sophie White.
3: Sophie White, thank you so much for joining me on Flap Culture. How are you doing? I am great because I have been steeped in our this week's Flap. For um, a couple of weeks now, actually, <laughs> it's been so exciting just revisiting the uh, Naughty's uh, decade in which I came of age, and uh, the golden age, I believe, of celebrity reality TV. Yes, it. We re- like they just watching this. They don't make them.
1: They don't make them like it anymore. That's for sure. What did you pick? The simple life.
3: <sighs> oh, with Paris Hilton. Nicole Richie, if anyone needs reminding. I mean, I'm surely not because it was completely iconic and remains iconic. What's your first memory of it? So I was trying to think about this on the way over. I was like, "What? where was I actually watching it? Because it was a Fox um production originally Mm. and then it moved to E! later. Um, I think I was watching it on Sky and it was like out in 2003 which was the year I uh, was leaving school and starting college and I don't I just, I wasn't like hugely, I wasn't like devouring it at the time but like Paris Hilton as a presence was just like she was kind of omnipotent. She was kind of, you know, she was in the water. Supply. She was just in the air we were breathing and had been for several years, Mm. like as this heiress, it girl of New York. And she, it was just this thing. I just had this hyper awareness of like these two girls and the kind of um, how the simple life came about, which was basically that they'd kind of. They wanted their comedy department in Fox to come up with a kind of a new style of show that like revisited the kind of like weird high concept sitcoms of the 60s. So like, there was this sitcom that was like, oh, really rich family moves to the deep south in America. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> and that was like fictional sitcoms. So mm. then they were like, let's do that but kind of updated and basically Paris Hilton herself you know she was an aspiring kind of model I mean really she didn't need to be anything at all to be honest she was just on the scene in New York fixed on page six had been out like partying professionally since she was 13 Um, apart from a brief stint in essentially an industrial school which we will go into Yeah it's so weird knowing that
1: now and watching this like it's a bit like the juxtaposition
3: is like what the it's crazy I know so she went into this she was in meetings with Fox already meeting with just like the casting director of like the department do you know that kind of Mm. way and basically this casting uh, director just kind of fell in love with her and was like you know she's kind of a total original she's lives essentially in this alternate reality, makes no apology for it and is kind of naturally sort of like hilarious. Um, Now, I don't know if that's slightly overstating things. I definitely think Nicole Richie was just an integral part of why that dynamic was so mm. funny. But basically, they kind of blended those ideas. They said, like, like, hey, let's get Paris um, to each season, kind of, like, go and spend time um, in, like, you know, kind of, quote, unquote, like, you know, country America, um, doing kind of menial labour. Mm. Again, with the 2023 lens, it's really... Bizarre because actually, you know, that she spent a good portion of her teens doing menial labor in these really, really toxic, abusive environments that her parents had sent her to to try and like kind of just stem the partying a bit. But anyway, so the first series, they needed her to team up with someone. And it's really funny. Now, because the narrative at the beginning of the series was, oh, Nicole and Paris have been childhood best friends. Nicole is the adopted daughter of Lionel Richie. And she is like basically come up in a similar state of like extreme privilege. And so they were supposedly lifelong best friends. But actually, she was about fourth on the list of like who was going to come to do The Simple Life of Paris. And there was other people that they'd floated was like, Rod's one of Rod Stewart's daughters, Kimberly Stewart, exactly. Uh another one was like the Johnson and Johnson heiress. Um can't remember her name. She sank without a trace, presumably. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. Never to be mentioned again. They finally got Nicole Ritchie on board, and thank God, because their dynamic is totally addictive. And like the all of the humor like really stands up, I think. I mean, there's so many really, really dodgy, like, you know just throw away comments that we would never ever like think of using now but like at the same time like there's one where they are um so obviously basically sorry to like so I don't skip ahead the first season they went to Arkansas and stayed with this family Mm. and like in the very first episode it's just like perfectly setting the tone this family are like farming family and they're like you know Talking the girls through all the, like, the jobs and chores they're going to have to do and stuff like that. And, like, they're living with this family. And uh, at dinner, on, like, one of the first nights, Nicole Richie says something like, I hear everyone kind of just, like, what do you do around here? What do you just, like, hang out at Walmart? And Paris Hilton is like, what's Walmart? (laughs) And, like, everyone is just, like... Do they sell walls? (laughs) She was like, is it wall stuff? It was amazing. (laughs) And like from there, it just was just constantly this really fun disconnect between them and the scenarios they were being put into. So, like in later series, they were like doing like traveling around the country in like their jike, iconic pink kind of SUV thing and like working at different kind of like low wage jobs. I mean, it's like so bad because obviously now we're like, oh my God, like people are living below the poverty line and like striving to work uh, and striving to live off like fast food wages. But like back then it was like, oh my God, how hilarious. (laughs) We're going to parachute in these heiresses and they're going to be so funny. And they really were. And they were like, some of the humour is like really like really fun and absurdist and like you would almost think they're not smart enough for it. Mm. Like I really enjoyed the one episode when they're like working in this fast food place called Sonic's I've never Sonic heard. Burger, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd never heard of it. Apparently it's supposed to be very nice, I think, but I have never had it, so and so they I'm were like, <laughs> Hello, fuckwell, <church> <laughs> tell me about Sonic Burgers now. Get in touch, guys. Um, and like they were kind of like charged with changing the sign, uh, changing the signage outside. Like it's kind of on the edge of like what looks like a massive kind of freeway, basically. Yeah. And they changed the sign to be like half price anal spice wiener. And like, <laughs> you're just like, I don't know, you, they're kind of like funnier and like, riskier than you think they would be like yeah. they, they don't give a shit like of how they're coming across and that's amazing it is that humour because it could have very
1: easily been they turn up and they like look they're turning their noses up at a lot of the jobs but they are mm. kind of getting stuck in in other ways and having their own fun there's an episode oh, in yeah. the first season as well where they're at this like this old folks home, I think, and they're learning how to quilt and, like, make those square quilts. And Nicole's like, but how do we make this, like, edgier, though? Like, how are you not bored just doing square after square? Like, what about what about cigarette burns? <laughs> it's just... It's, you couldn't... You couldn't script it in some ways. Like, the stuff they were coming out with, it was just... Oh, and that chemistry between the two of them was just, you you can't replicate it. I don't think anyone has since. No,
3: completely. Like even just things like they were put into these costumes. Again, at that Sonic Burger one. They were put into these costumes to kind of like wander along the freeway, you know, drawing motorists' attention to the Sonic Burger. And the two of them just standing there giving the finger to cars going past. And it's just like really, really fun. Like it's just hilarious and fun. So fun. Um, But you're right. They so got stuck in and they just didn't give shit about sending themselves up at all like and that is like what worked so well about it like they <laughs> like I'm just remembering like one season after the famous uh falling out they were they did a kind of a wife swap um, and the last season I think scenario yeah. where um they were kind of like parachuted into these families and they were supposed to be like, you know, the housewives of the families. And like, there's this like the absolutely um, just like, you know, stands the test of time, seen for the ages, Paris Hilton on a Segway trailing a mop behind her. It's tied around her waist and she's just like trying to mop this house, trailing a mop behind a Segway. And she also in that same episode is like cooking rashers using an iron. <laughs> I forgot this. <laughs> it's just so fucking enjoyably bizarre, do you know? Yeah. But also I think what was mad was they were, like, in the, as I said, in the ether for me, like, just coming up, say, in Dublin in the 2000s. Like, they were in, we like, do you know, we didn't really have, like, any kind of, you know, like, PerezHilton.com yeah. didn't exist until a few years later. Like, even the internet, it was still, like, a location where you, like, went. <laughs> like, I'm going online. Yeah. And, like, you had to wait, like you know, four hours for like some absolutely skanky image from rotten.com to download and stuff like that. So like (laughs) how I had access to any news about them, I'm still kind of hazy on, except Mm. that they were like, they were everywhere. And the funny thing is that it wasn't until going back and like, Paris Hilton's, obviously, documentary and memoir are, like, recently out. And also going back and just, like, revisiting it all for this. I was like, it's actually, their real life trajectory was, like, so, like, unbelievably dark Mm. around the time that they were filming this, like, like fluffy, light, funny TV series. And, like, I didn't know this, for example, that, like, so... They both were just like mega partiers all through their teens and like they were getting, like Paris Hilton was getting like paid appearances before she was even of age to be in the clubs Mm. and like making insane money to come and be in the clubs. And like they were already like being like intensively scrutinised by the press, Mm. like you know, there's the famous photo of Parasil tonight with Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears. And it's really funny because they are now emblematic of the wronged women of the naughties mm. that were all revisiting their stories and being like, Oh my God, we absolutely chew them up and spat them out and and then like Took a shit all over their (laughs) chewed up mess on the ground, Mm. like it was just like the misogyny was so rampant and and really like perpetuated by women as well as men. Like it was, you know, we just had this incredible appetite for their lives and it just incredible internalized misogyny towards them. And um so like there was times when Paris was like a teenager like 15, 16, where they talk about how her mom, Kathy Hilton, um sorry, we haven't even said she's heir S to the Hilton fortune. <laughs> I mean, I think we all know. I think most people know. Just like, like for any if of you aliens that are listening yeah. and are like, wow, this
1: Paris girl, she seems interesting. <laughs> I wonder her deal is. I think we're oh, here. Nepo, baby. Oh, baby. Oh,
3: toward it again. I feel like anyone who's on pop culture has, like, probably an encyclopedic knowledge of all this. Um, so, you know, Kathy Hilton was, like, doing things like ringing the New York Post when Paris was, like, 15, 16 to try and find out where her daughter was because she knew that photographers for the Post had a better idea of where her daughter was than she herself did. And the mad thing is, like, Nicole was following a similar kind of trajectory as the daughter of Lionel Richie. Mm. Now, she's the op- adopted daughter. She was adopted at nine. And so her biological parents, uh, the dad was Lionel Richie's, like, drummer. Yeah, And the whole adoption scenario actually sounds really weird. Like, it sounds really sad. Mm. Like, her biological parents just, like, couldn't argue with the fact that she would have a life of privilege and never wanting for anything if they kind of allowed the Richies to adopt her. And the Richies had been having fertility issues. So it's like really weird because her biological aunt wrote a memoir later that was like Nicole, I think her original name was Escovito. Nicole Escovito like was just gone from us the day that she was adopted. And like she kind of goes on to say like that the rest of the story isn't hers to tell. And it's very like sad and it's like did those parents like desperately not want to like give her up for adoption but at the same time just so desperately wanted the best for her? Yeah. And then like the irony is of course that she like just got into drugs at the age of like 13, 14 and like I had this like total innocence about me where like I'd be hearing about Paris Hilton like partying like all night long and I'd be like she has amazing stamina. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How did she do it? Jesus How did she Christ! Do it, and even like I mean, the innocence of me, and I was in college as well, so like I was like definitely uh, dabbling very enthusiastically with recreational drugs. But I think I was also like being Irish and the whole drinking culture. I was kind of like, and she doesn't look like a big drinker because she's like fucking. How she not fall all over the place? Belt, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and she actually like. The messiness never seemed to like leak into Paris's persona like as much as it did Nicole's. Mm. In a funny way, I think like we had this kind of image of Paris being like more like reserved, more controlled. And Nicole Richie was like funnier. She was the funny one, I think. But like the mad thing is that like, Nicole Richie was arrested like her drug use had really descended by the time The Simple Life was airing in like 2003 and so um, they like she was arrested for possession and she had Like she'd become addicted to heroin. It wasn't just like, not that I'm like, it wasn't just cocaine. She was serious about it. (laughs) But she had like descended into like serious heroin addiction. And she was arrested for possession Mm. in like, say, the kind of February. And she went to rehab and like had like a kind of a family intervention with like Lionel. And I feel really bad. I can't remember. Was it Betty? Was the mum? I can't remember because they ended up splitting up then. They because, did. They had a really acrimonious yeah. divorce. Which again, like the irony being, like they were trying to give Nicole a better life, but then she had to Brenda. Brenda. I think it was something. <laughs> B, B, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. She then had to like basically be like. Uh, hamstrung between these two really volatile, like, people who hated each other basically. So anyway, she was, like, arrested, rehabbed, and then shooting the Simple Life a month or so later, which is totally wild. And like, looking at her on the first season, she seems like they're really, really embodying the kind of carefree, like, well, Nepo baby, you know, Mm. Extraordinaires, like in the very first scenes of the Simple Life, they like casually drop like fifty grand shopping, and um, it's like, like the Simple Life really revels in the like money side
1: of it. yeah. Well, should they come into their going away party which is like hilarious because they're going away to shoot it's not like they're going away to shoot a TV show you know what I mean. But they're arriving on a helicopter like it's just oh, like
3: yeah, completely bananas. And it's so fun for like Housewives fans as well because like Kyle's at the going away party know, and you're like oh, she yes. loves to make an entrance. I know
1: I'm her aunt. I'm like, I know you from Real Life of Every Hills. You okay. are
3: way more than Paris Hilton's aunt, <laughs> Kyle. Do not do yourself down. You are an icon of reality TV yourself. And yeah, you're right. It's like in the garden of this fucking mansion Mm. like it's unbelievable and I think it's kind of interesting as well because like Clueless had been out a couple of years before and like we had this kind of uh, sort of prototype of this like of the really young wealthy girl and the kind of the fun the humor and like the the like fun of it Mm. so I think that there's kind of like a connection in that like why we still we didn't resent them Mm. really Now, maybe we weren't thinking deeply enough and certainly a lot of TV critics were thinking a bit more critically about it. But like as an audience, I don't remember feeling resentful of all their shit. I was just like, oh, this is just absolutely gas. Yeah, I have a very much, I only got into it around the
1: the third season when they were doing hmm. the internships. Oh, yeah. So I think it was on T4. Now, I obviously knew of them previous and knew of the show, but just couldn't access it because of telly and whatever. Yeah. And I again I remember thinking it was like a bit gas and then kind of watching this first season back for this, I was like, uh, it's a bit like the fun is still there and I still really enjoyed it, but it's so it's it's funny that kind of split and watching it as an adult and being like, this wealth is Quite simply absurd because yeah. of their connection, because of the humor, because there was still such a thing in like, yes, okay, you are this insanely wealthy nepo baby. I can never relate to your life, but they're still doing like the juvenile kind of teenage things, as you mentioned, like they're writing the anal on the board and stuff, or like can't, just trying to get with boys, and they're out in the cl- like they're out in the club, and like Nicole's like, I'm such a slut, whatever, like, and Paris is like, ha, like cackling along as she's kissing like her second or third fellow the night. Like I'm just like that <laughs> yeah, was yeah. like we were all at that in ways as as teenagers like you know
3: what I mean it was their friendship was so relatable Mm. like that was it was mad how similar apart from all of the like I suppose like top quality class A's um it was (laughs) that wasn't that wasn't as relatable but like all of their just like hijinks taking the piss out of each other um and just like you know Occasional bitchiness. There's that, like, infamous scene where, so, like, everyone knows that, like, Kim Kardashian was essentially, like, an assistant to Paris Hilton. and it's like, her wardrobe, like, and look, it's just <laughs> how someone needs to study that trajectory. Like, I it's, know. The wheels within wheels of American reality TV is so enjoyable. Mm. Like, because you're just going through these kind of, like, you're combing through the annals of reality TV and just, like, looking at how it all spiders out into like just spin-off after spin-off spin-offs within spin-offs it's so funny like um so when they uh, oh god yeah their their going away party was insane mm. and then like the year that the show came out like so much happened to them just within that year like I said like nicole Richie was like I presume experiencing heroin withdrawal, like while like being quippy and hilarious mm-hmm. on, on this reality show. And, like then it was later in the year that the Paris Hilton sex tape leaked. And um, so the show was like slated to air in like, I want to say December. And um the sex tape leaked just weeks ahead of the show which led to like conspiracy theorists being like okay it was an inside job PR yeah 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 yeah. but like it definitely from I mean I definitely think it wasn't No I don't think it was either You know revenge porn like clear and simple and it was basically her ex-boyfriend who was a lot older than her Rick Solomon Rick Solomon Wait for it Pamela Anderson's uh, husband twice over, um, again wheels within wheels. Like, what is it with Rick Solomon's proximity to leaked sex tapes? I, yeah, it just seems like the worst man. The oh, worst. The worst. Man. So bits of the sex tape started leaking in dribs and drabs, and then it kind of emerged that um, it was actually like a longer tape that was yeah. like forty minutes long. And so eventually, Rick Solomon managed to like monetize this leak and uh, called it, like literally packaged the sex tape and called it One Night in Paris. Do you remember that the most bizarre aspect of this entire incident was that it was dedicated to those lost in (laughs) 9-11? Do you remember that? That was like a title card at the beginning of it. No! It's amazing, isn't it? What the (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh my god I did not know that I know It's That's one criminal. of my favourite facts ever That is criminal Yeah Yeah <laughs> It's so amazing
3: It's amazing
1: That's a good one for a pub quiz now There you go There you Jesus go Jesus Christ you go. Quizmasters
3: everywhere Listen uh, yes
1: out Yeah that I don't really remember the reaction at the time Because I think I was too young But again it was like the repercussions even in popular culture. Like that, the stain of that stayed for so many years. But it had a big impact on Paris and Nicole's relationship as well, didn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, well, even just going into it. So the show itself was actually aired like soon after that. Mm. And like, it was funny, like, obviously in their... Like, going into the show, it was so much like, this is Paris Hilton and her sidekick. Like, Nicole Richie was just not as well known. And, yeah, like, Paris had the infamy. And also, there was a kind of a bit of a narrative, I think, in the kind of public consciousness of, like, the Paris is the hot one. Yeah. And, like... Which is grim. And you know what's so grim as well? Like, there was definitely, like, a bit of discourse around, like, Nicole Richie's body. And, I mean the woman is like, you know, at the age of like 23 or whatever, very slender. Yeah. I mean, not that like... like fundamentally straight Like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Like not that like body shaming is ever okay, yeah. but like it, I remember that being like a really insidious message that like leaked into my psyche a bit, that like... This woman was considered, un, like, her body was unacceptable and, like, was constantly being, like, drawn in comparison to, like, ver- the very tall, very thin Paris Hilton. And, like, then, I mean, later there was, like, Nicole Ritchie like, dropped loads of weight and... Um, that's a shit phrase, I apologise for using that phrase, but she became incredibly thin mm. and then of course became the, con- the quote unquote concern in the media, you know, and so basically constantly her body being picked over. But pr- right before they aired the show, um, to go back to the sex tape for a minute, like they did kind of try to kind of do something with the narrative, you know. But it was mad just how like insanely unacceptable it was for a woman to like, you know, own her sexuality in any way. And obviously Paris, Holt, she, she didn't own that bloody sex tape being leaked and she did not consent or participate in any way. But at the same time, like, you're, you're right, the stain was there. So she went on Saturday Night Live and they did a sketch like, that was what they were trying to do. They were like, let's reframe this. Let's give you back a let's bit of power. let reclaim the narrative in a exactly, vertical. yeah Exactly, exactly. So she did the sketch with Jimmy Kimmel? Fallon, I think. Okay, I knew it was a Jimmy. Ach, they're all, they of, too many they're all white men who have talk shows like yeah. this. Just... Yeah. And so, and the sketch, I think she, like, nailed it. Mm. Like, pretty good. Like, she managed to get in a dig at Jimmy Fallon's tiny dick. Um, Like, that's what, um, what was it? She was something like, they were talking about, like, a new Hilton and how, and Jimmy was like, "Um, would it be spacious? Would it be roomy? And she was like, for you probably, yes. And, like, she just did it in that kind of, like, really kind of, like, ice cool Paris Hilton delivery that is, like, very effective.
0: Uh, As we agreed, we we won't be discussing the scandal that's been in the papers uh, these past couple of weeks, all right?
3: Thank you, Jimmy, I appreciate that.
0: We just want to find out about you, Paris Hilton. Okay. So your family, I don't know if a lot of people know, they, the Hiltons own hotels all over the world, right?
2: Yes, they're New York, London, Paris.
0: Oh Wait, so there it actually is a Paris Hilton?
2: Yes, there is. <laughs> uh,
0: is it hard to get into the Paris Hilton? <laughs>
2: It's a very exclusive hotel, no matter what you've heard.
0: Uh, I, I, I hear the Paris Hilton is very beautiful.
1: I'm glad that you've heard that.
0: Uh, did they allow double occupancy at the Paris Hilton?
1: <laughs> no.
0: It, it, is the Paris Hilton roomy?
1: It
2: might be for you, but most people find it very comfortable.
3: But yeah, it's just like such an amazing collision of all of the kind of naughties, mores. Like a reality show with sex tape, drugs. Can they were constantly getting arrested for DUI constantly. Constantly. They, I so there's like so we also have like so we have all the pap shots and then we have the mug shots. And like the thing I cannot get my head around. I know LA is a city of driving. But like you are so unimaginably wealthy. Why don't you have a driver? Yeah. Why are you driving? Why
0: are
1: you
3: driving? There was also really famously, she Paris Hilton was like one of the celebrities who was targeted by the Bling Ring. Mm. Um, I can't remember if you've done an episode on the Bling Ring. We did an episode on uh, Pretty Wild. Oh,
1: which is, that was yeah, it? Yeah.
3: Oh my God, I loved that Another episode. Another perfect reality show, I will say. All, will be a dark. But, Why yeah. only the one season? That's oh, criminal. A crime. I a crime. absolutely loved that episode with Carla. Yeah. I Yeah, Carla's... Um, I mean I want to say fanaticism is only matched by my own <laughs> I absolutely love that and like so yeah Paris is one of the celebrities targeted and the reason they targeted her was because they thought she'd be dumb enough to just leave the door unlocked <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so harsh and these are just so like so mean but like, little teenagers yeah. as well but they weren't wrong <laughs> <laughs> They were, in <laughs> fact, proven right. Well, yeah. Basically from like some kind of Google Maps, they managed to work out a kind of a like a gap in the compound where they'd be able to like sc- scramble in. And then they just found a key under the doormat. The I mean,
1: again, so you are too rich to be doing that. Like, give your keys to someone else. Like, you know what I mean? Surely, get a lockbox. Like, you know, the
3: security? Why is there not a guard on the gate? But then they didn't even need to use the key that was under the doormat because, lo, the door was open. Oh my
0: God. And like, I think
3: they actually hit it repeatedly. And there was definitely some story about how like they stole something like 40 or 50 grand's worth of like clothes, jewellery, yeah. everything. And like, it was quite a while before Paris noticed she was being robbed. <laughs> that's how wealthy I want to be that I don't
1: notice that I'm actively being burgled like that I'm not noticing shit going missing like
3: that's that's a comfortable level of wealth I think oh completely so anyway I mean like obviously I suggested The Simple Life because I I'm just obsessed with celebrity friendships and celebrity fallings out. Um, And so like one of the most famous, I believe, ever is the parting of ways of Nicole and Paris. Now, obviously, because they were contractually obliged to be best friends, they couldn't quite part ways. No, They couldn't make a clean break. So what happened was they did like three seasons of The Simple Life Happy out, happy days. But like there was rumblings Mm. that like, oh, they're not talking. Oh, sources close to. And there was also like definitely like some shit stirring in the media. Like so there was a few times that Nicole Richie was asked how she felt about like the pay gap between her and Paris Hilton. And there's like moments on mic where it sounds like it's only slowly dawning on Nicole Richie in real time. Time that there might be a pay gap going on. And she's there, like, really bewildered. And she's like, We've never discussed it. You can just see, you can hear the scales falling from her eyes. So, (laughs) yeah, it's then that they just split. Paris just started this kind of really smart campaign of like bringing her grievances directly to the media instead of the network mm. um, so she kind of like announced what felt like apropos of Nothing that she wanted a new co-star and <laughs> kind of floated a few ideas for who that might be and then obviously that started up the news cycle of like oh my god what's going on with Paris and Nicole Richie the most famous best friends in the world at this point point. Mm. and um, so then she did the, like, absolutely perfect Paris line. I want to get it up here properly because it's just so, so... Quintessentially Paris? It was just perfection. Basically, she came out with a statement being like, I no longer want to do the simple life. Nicole knows what she did. That's yes, a, yeah, yeah. I remember this. That's yeah, a yeah. kind of a, a, a kind of paraphrasing of the exact quote, mm. but just so brilliant. To immediately, like, just shots fired. Nicole knows what she did. Immediately, the whole world is like, "What
0: did she do? We must
3: know." And even to this day, very hard to find any concrete mm. reason. But the rumor, if it's true is spectacularly vicious on the part of Nicole Ritchie. Evil. I was going to say borderline evil. It's kind. It's kind of just
1: truly evil. Like it's truly evil. It's incredible that they were able to come back from that. Like the true
3: testament to female friendship. (laughs) Female friendship endures. Yeah. So the rumor was that Nicole Richie was hosting like a a party, like a watch party for one of Paris Hilton's um, appearances on SNL, and then at the party. Screened the sex tape to all their friends. It is like, it is female bitchiness at that's excellence. Female bitchiness, excellence. And it's peak, it's peak that
1: year. It's peak, you know, like feminism doesn't exist. What is feminism? Never heard of her. Yeah. I'm just mad and I fucking hate her. And this is how. I'll get back or whatever. Like it's just, I know it's a shame, really, because the show did really kind of derail after that. Like I think the first two seasons are like peak. I did enjoy interns, and then that the wife swap series is the fourth. I think I said that was the last one earlier, which is wrong.
3: There's the fifth fifth one where they they reunited. Yeah, so like the wife swap series was basically a remedy to the fact that they were both were still under contract and they couldn't (laughs) really be together. Could not be together. That makes sense. And like. Yeah, yeah. And so what also strikes me about the screening party is that, like, Nicole Ritchie of that time, she really was a shitster. Mm. The sad thing is you could totally picture her doing it. Now, at the time, she was like, no, why would I want to watch someone I know having sex? Like, just no. I've known her since I was a child. I still want this. But at the same time, like... Donald Trump, who'd known Paris Hilton since she was a child because he was a family friend, uh, said openly that he had watched the sex tape. (gasps) That's the other thing. In terms of like just famous weirdos orbiting this family Mm. with Donald Trump, Michael Jackson, a close personal friend of the Hiltons. yeah, And like practically like a godfather to Paris Hilton. It's... Paris Hilton does have a bit of Teflon about her mm. like she does manage to kind of shed a lot of like the weirdness as she moves through life Yeah, Do you know that kind of way even the way she's managed her
1: rebrand now has yeah. been like there's there's a master class in that like in how she's just been like and that's not to say obviously everything the shit stuff she went through was shit I'm not disputing that but absolutely it's as you said she's she also just, perpetrated a lot of shit yeah but that's the thing and it's still people are like and she's acknowledged it in a way not really a good enough, way, good enough way in my opinion. Other people may disagree. But it's kind of funny then because it's just like she's still like catnip for the gays, catnip for the straight gals, catnip oh. for everyone. Like there's something so fascinating and still like likeable about her in a way that I just find so strange and that other celebrities have not gotten
3: away with. I know. And she should be the most irritating person alive. Yeah, But she's somehow not quite. Um, like, after the the feud and the bust up, mm. as you said, they did the wife swapping series and the opening of the series, they were like, gals, look, we'll deal with the fact that you're not talking and you hate each other's fucking guts. But you just have to do, like, one scene together and like they they managed to get them in a cafe they would not sit together and they both entered the cafe and sat in different places and then Paris <laughs> ordered a cookie to Nicole's table that said good luck bitch <laughs> 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 that's amazing Sorry, that's and so then wrong. later Nicole smashed that cookie on the ground outside in the car park which was amazing and like like it has to be said, all throughout this, Paris, she may at this point in two thousand and like two thousand eight be on her like fiftieth fragrance. That would be very believable yeah. and plausible. She, the woman, is like literally railing through fragrances, clothing lines, DJ appearances, like I just, the entrepreneurial spirit you can't argue with no, it. No, absolutely not. Like yes, she started like not even ahead in the race, but like in a different race altogether. Mm. But she made a new race. She like made it. a new race, <laughs> exactly. But oh my god, she flung her image behind everything you can imagine. Mm. Paris Hilton shops, Paris Hilton like beach resort. It's just wild. If you go and just sit on her Wikipedia page, it's extremely long. It details, like, the apparel line for dogs. She single-handedly invented the hand the handbag dog. Mm, yeah. She had a little dog called Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. R.I.P. I was about to say, tragically died oh, no. at 14 years of age. Yeah. That's a good age That's to a good age. get a dog to. Especially for a dog that breed. I feel like they are riddled with health issues. Oh my god, completely. Yeah. Um, much like heiresses and heirs themselves. It's <laughs> just like the gene pool is so distilled down <laughs> that it's like a friggin' <laughs> like, a, a, like an oxtail soup by the time the current heirs and heiresses are oh making it God. out of there. But um, yeah, like, and they, so they did wrap the show after a final reunion um, and like they had by then moved to E and um It was just, I think it had come time, like poor old Nicole Ritchie was like back, like having serious health problems. You know, there was speculation that it was an eating disorder. It certainly looked like it, but they said, I mean, they came up with different stories, like that it was hypoglycemia. And and then there was also the, you know, it also looked very much like, uh, like, Cocaine. Mm. Um, definitely. And she, she did go through like a relapse. Yeah. And was, you know, arrested again. Like they were constantly being arrested. They actually were. Like there was one scenario where um, like Paris and Nikki, her sister, We're trying to get into Japan, but like Paris had been arrested just the day before and Japan had a bit of a rule about that. Yeah, (laughs) as you'd imagine, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, weirdly, like for all of the chaotic arrests and especially like loads of drug possession, I never came away from Paris Hilton with this like image of her as like a mess. Mm. She's just so incredibly controlled in how she presents herself That like, like I said, Teflon, she managed to just kind of skim the surface Mm. of the like much murkier waters. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's funny how the conversation was always on Nicole and like her struggles in a way that Paris never really got. As you said, it was us being like, incredible that she's able to stay out that late. I would be in
3: bed. (laughs) I want to go to
1: sleep even thinking (laughs) about her.
3: I know. It's so like, it's just, we were adding two and two and getting seven. I mean, Yeah. (laughs) we <laughs> some of the way there, but just just not quite. Yeah, just, not, just quite. not quite. And then, like, uh, you know, Paris went on to have like a, another, like, I think, incredibly iconic spin-off series, Paris Hilton's Search for BFF. My new BFF. Yeah, my new BFF, which was just again such an amazing dig at Nicole mm. Richie, because at this time they were very separate, like in the kind of late noughties. Um, like Nicole Richie was like rehabbing her image somewhat, getting Sittling into fashion. Down. Yeah, she yeah. was with Joel Madden at this point. Things were getting serious. Yeah, yeah. And um, and she kind of, she kind of like zipped up her Mickey a bit, <laughs> you know, in terms of like the sound bites. Yeah, became less outrageous. She was just like, I mean, look, she was growing up. Yeah, like that's the main thing that was she was, was happening.
1: over that game in a way that Paris. Never will be, and I don't say that as a critique, but it's just a fact. Like there's, like Paris likes being famous, enjoys being famous, enjoys the benefits of fame in that
3: of that particular brand of fame, and is willing to play the part of Paris and is willing to leverage it for every single cent that it's worth. Cent being the operative word. Yeah, ninety five fragrances and counting. I don't know. She was doing more than one phrase. There can't be that many smells (laughs) is what (laughs) I say on that.
1: There just can't. And I like perfume. There cannot be that many different smells.
3: There can't. I know. But like, and again, like on the Teflon side of things, like as you said, like there's like serious, serious, uh, like dark, Crimes and missteps in Paris's past that, like, she's really managing to bulldoze through much discussion of, um, like her past racism and things like that in this new, like, you know, power renaissance that mm. she's having. Um, so do you know this story about the storage unit? I oh, I don't. So I don't think so. I think it's around the two thousand and eight mark, but like. Please don't come at me for that date. Uh, listeners, hello. Roughly hello, ish. this is addressed to you. Yeah. Please be nice to me. <laughs> like I said, the woman has a sprawling Wikipedia yeah. page that is impressive. But basically, she had a storage unit, presumably because she just literally had accumulated too much stuff. And even after the bling ring made a bit of a dent, she had to outsource. So she had, you know, put like clothes and jewellery and all this kind of stuff, but also loads and loads of like personal videos, VHSs. And it was like the time of the camcorder and the digital, you know, with the little DV tapes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I think like, obviously it was pre-smartphone, but like, or, you know, they were coming out around that time, but like she had basically hard copies of, Loads and loads of her life, like videos and notes and everything. And basically, she just neglected to pay the storage unit fee. And like, let that bill kind of mount up. So then the owner of the storage unit, I, I presume, tried to reach out, but I guess maybe it's hard to reach Paris Hilton yeah. to penetrate several She's layers of out. minders. Yeah. She's always out. Like, what he should have done is r- rang the New York Post. I mean, like, <laughs> tell her that she owes me $200. It was something tiny like that. It was like a few Jesus. hundred dollars. And so basically, the owner of the storage unit seized the contents and mm. under contract or whatever, under the agreement, it seemed like he was. He was able to do this. And then he like auctioned it off for the highest price. Um he offered it to Paris Hilton first. Um, for a million. And she said, Nah, mate, I'm I'm grand. Yeah. clearly not remembering the contents. And so then he sold it to this couple who in a very like, I mean, prescient manner set up what essentially sounds like a bit of a Patreon. Um, (laughs) So what you could do is they put it all on a website, uh, all of like the videos and like pictures of the notes and stuff like that and all the contents. And they, you could pay $40 a month to get like limited, like there'd be like a day yeah. Of the month that you were allowed go and look at all the Paris stuff, yeah, and so basically it was through that that it like surfaced that she had made like you know ra- deeply racist comments, anti-Semitic, like homophobic, homophobic everything, everything basically. And um, at the time after it came out, like the the publicity team were just like, "Yeah, she did." They literally had no answer. Clearly, <laughs> um, but I just a door that it was just through the old let the ball drop on that bill. Yeah. Um, That now we know. Now, yeah. Like, I had no idea about that. That's fucking... Because I assume,
1: not being funny when you hear about these like incidents of like... People getting caught out saying shit that they sh- shouldn't have said. Yeah. You're assuming people have just trawled through the archives, or like, there's so much pap
3: footage of her. Do you assume it's that? Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Fucking hell. I know. I mean, it does really speak to the fact that there is two Parises. Yeah, like, and that the the distance between the two Parises is vast. Mm. Like the Paris Hilton, the character that she has played for decades, is is just like she's a nonstick pan, mm. you know. She's cooking rashers with an iron. Yeah. And, you know, she's kind of, like, still untouchable. Yeah.
1: Whereas I think the disparity between, like, Nicole's character, Simple Life character and who she is, I think is, like, much... I do still think it's a character, obviously. Yeah. To a degree. Yeah. But I think it's much smaller. (laughs) I think she just chooses not to show us any of that side of her anymore because it doesn't interest her, you know what I mean? I still feel like she's good crack. I still feel like... As we talk about, as we talked about the simple life and how kind of not highbrow the humor was, but in just hearing them say stuff that you wouldn't expect them to say, like totally. I still feel like that's at her core. Like I, I just feel like stuff like when we we talk about reality TV and how like constructed it is, it's like it's very hard to put on. I would find it very hard to put on stuff like that. You know what I
3: mean? Like yeah. that's. I think like I'd still like to go out with Nicole. I think oh a hundred percent. I'd go to Paris as well.
1: I go with Paris as I'd I don't condone nose, like. I don't
3: condone her racist actions in the past, but I I'd go. I'd go out. Oh, yeah. What's I wouldn't be see? able for it because obviously I am a very early to bed person in my late 30s. Um but it's 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 mad that Paris just had an unending appetite for trading mm. on her Paris um her parents' persona. And like lots of people are kind of like, now since the um like revelations about the, um the Provo school, like that sh- basically your parents, like it's mad because they're, <laughs> what we had actually was loads of media about these types of um like reformatory schools um, for teenagers. Because I don't know if you're a tiny bit, you're tiny. Tiny bit younger than me, Vanilla. I don't know if you remember Jesse Jones, Jenny Jones, and Sally Jesse Raphael, and Ricky Lake all had daytime shows. I remember
1: Ricky, yeah. Go yeah, on, all Ricky. about
3: like my teens out of control. Mm. And like the teen would be sitting there like with a nose ring, and they'd be packed off to like, you know, uh, reformatory school to like abuse the badness out of them essentially. Mm. And it was all very like, yeah, it was just kind of really accepted as like a perfectly reasonable thing to do to your child. And um, then with like Paris's autobiography and stuff like that, um, or her memoir, um, she was like revealing that like, you know, they were getting, they were being put in solitary confinement. They were going through ritualistic humiliation ceremonies. There was a physical abuse. um, And even like her introduction to that world was that her parents arranged for her to be essentially kidnapped Mm. uh, from her bedroom at about the age of 16. And these like, just like heavies came into her room and bundled her off at about three in the morning. Incredible, she was actually there. Um, And she was locked into that system for the next 18 months until she turned 18. And she tried to run away many times. Like contact with your family was like extremely limited to almost nothing. At one point, she managed to escape the school, and made it to a nearby town and a bar and a payphone and called Kyle, Kyle Richards. Yes. um, And was like, you have to come and help me. You have to save me. And basically, Kyle, in not her finest moment, just daubed her in.
1: I ratted her out. Ratted
3: her out. Like, that's not cool aunt behaviour, Kyle. absolutely not. But I think that a lot of the kind of theory about Paris Hilton's career since is that she has worked... Every day of her life to be independent from her parents, who did that to her. Mm. Um, which I think is fairly um convincing. I mean, she's worth billions. She's worth so much, it's so a, much money. Unbelievable. Dave diversified fights so much. Like yeah. does
1: everything. The DJing, like the DJing, is such an honor for her. Mm. Uh, like
3: just and like she'll get out there and do it, except for the NFTs. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's not with the NFTs. Let's gloss over that. God, but you know what was the most delightful thing about going down this little memory lane was that I investigated what Nicole Richie's been up to. Okay, do you know about Nikki Fresh? No, I don't think the name rings a bell. I'm so happy to introduce you to Nikki (laughs) Fresh. This is I'm beside myself. So, uh, as you know, um, she married Joel Madden from Good Charlotte. Hilarious. Their breakthrough hit was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous yeah. and was them mocking the rich and famous. Um, so <laughs> then ra- rapidly hitched his wagon to, um, like actually the brother Benji dated Paris. Yeah. And, uh, and, and no he's married now married to, to Cameron, Cameron Diaz. Diaz. I tell you. Like the next the generation, and the boos are so small, as you said. We're back to the oxtail soup here. Like, I know. Do you remember? Did you see that TikTok of the girl who like uh, linked up Kendall? Does the flowchart? The yeah, flowchart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, very yeah. Good. I'll
1: link her in the north.
3: She's done. She's done so many on any celeb you could think of. Like, it's just it's they're, the smallest pool. They're amazing. Yeah. Um. So Nicole Ritchie basically did like a mini series of a kind of Curb Your Enthusiasm esque. Thing okay, where she's playing Nicole Richie, who's trying to launch herself as a trap artist. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> because that's it. We didn't even talk about the stars are blind. Both Nicole oh, Richie are blind. Of it all, yeah. uh That's a good. That's a good song. That chorus. Good album. Good album, Even I would argue. All the stars are yeah. Crazy. Da, da, yeah. It's good. It's good. So good. Um. So anyway, so she's trying to like rebrand herself as a trap artist, but like a trap artist is the difference. So she's obviously like she's steeped in LA culture and like has daughters and stuff like that, and is like like an almond mom to her core and so basically she's like a trap artist who uh, raps about almond mom concerns. So <laughs> <laughs> okay I love this I'm on so board. F- for example you know like buying the misshapen ugly fruit and veg at the market Um is one of the themes of one of her songs. Right. Do you want me to bring one up and yes, play it to you? Yes, please. Okay. So, and um, the opening, so it's a TV show and there's music and the music, I'm I'm just going to say it, like, it's not bad. Now, <laughs> I will say that I really know shit about trap. Right. Like, I remember when Beyonce, like, had a bit of trap on um, Lemonade. Yeah. And like, I remember people discussing how she was really bad at it. And I could not discern that. And shall we like, say mm, I was very impressed? Interesting. That's I was a very like, interesting take. <laughs> Did you hear that take? That, that she was like. I had heard that people it. thought
1: she was bad at it. Yeah, but then I also know nothing about trap, and I'm not. I'm absolutely not going to be a voice for a trap or the
3: people of trap. So. <laughs> um, okay, so um, she. Did the show and the music, and the show is like little bite-sized episodes, like they're less than ten minutes. And the first episode is her going into Benji and Joel Madden's office with the head of their like what would it be like A and their label or yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah. And she's pitching the idea of her as a trap artist along with her assistant, and um, the the guys in they're just not convinced, shall we say, right, um, and it's it's just she's amazing like she's brilliant yeah. at playing herself it's absolutely class and the production um, values of her music videos are stunning okay let's see this one now is called Nikki Fresh and it's Bee's Tea and it's obviously an almond mother concern now would be the bee population and what's going on there right so here she is
1: Saving the bees, you know it's an issue for me. Up in the hives, trying to
3: survive, we treat them like an enemy. They're sparking the cycle of life, keeping the planet alive. Pollinating, no complaining, many flowers alive. Apples, pears, vanilla, coffee, almonds, avocados. Watermelon, cabbage, but we really hit the lotto. A pesticide, homicide, and we'll be soon to follow. Cause if these bees are gone today, then we'll be gone tomorrow. <laughs> Very almond mom concerned. She's making a lot of points, guys. We're not <laughs> thinking about the bees, the environment. I know.
1: I honestly. But that's what I mean. Like, I think she is, she's, I think she's very able to laugh at herself, but in a way that is so s- different to the way Paris does it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, I think there's actual
3: humor at the heart of, of Nicole. Nicole. Like, it's, yeah, I think she is just such an inherently funny person. Like, I wish that she'd kind of like done more for us to consume. mm. Like, she did, like, yeah, they both did a bit of quote unquote acting. (laughs) But like I'd love if like Do you know the way Lily Allen's in Dreamland now Yeah And like Apparently not supposed To be very good I know know. Sorry to be that. I am watched So not my opinion But All the bite sized chunks Look so fun Everything looks
1: really good But yeah I was messaging someone About it recently And they were like Do not be fooled It's bad
3: Uh, Sorry The thing is with Lily Someone like Lily Allen I just I just want to watch her yeah,
1: you know what I mean. She's extremely watchable, and I'm rooting for her in a way that I don't really under. Well, I do do understand why, but in another way, I'm like, you'll be fine without me rooting for you, like, or you'll be fine without an
3: acting career. You know what I mean? But she doesn't think of me at all. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I, that's why I just it's the same thing. Like I think Nicole Richie has this like unending watchability, and I just I'm like sad that like she never like I don't know like got on Parks and Rec or something like mm. that I feel like she would have really excelled but like, I think it's kept her perpetually interesting
1: in a way that Parks isn't anymore because we know mm. everything about her or near like almost everything about Parks. whereas like Nicole it's like because she became the cool low-key fashion girly in the same way that like with Mary-Kate and Ashley it's like you're desperate to be like <sighs> I know you're cool, but I wish you were more public about it. And I wish gagging. I knew everything about you and tell me about the cigarette trays or weddings. You know oh, what I mean, like that. Gagging for more on, them. yeah. Please,
3: guys, truly just give like, us that's a fly in the wall reality show I'd want, but oh, we will never get. We'll ever. never ever get it. So sad, and but I suppose like they were absolutely. Wrong, dry as as preteens. Also fair. Also, so fair. All, so, so <laughs> All fair. of the millions of films, like
1: millions, can't even think about it. Name a country and they've made a film based around that country. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Could you ever see um, the simple life coming back, either with the two of them or not? Like, is there anyone else you'd like to see do a similar style of show? Or are you just like, let it be? It's perfect. It's a perfect time capsule, and it's perfect
3: with them. <sighs> it's so perfect with them that it it would be impossible to top Mm. also like the tone would jar so much now do you know what I mean like another little like love to revisit it is a a show from around the same time called Rich Girls do you remember Rich Girls? I've heard of it but I don't think I've watched it Um, it's Ali Hilfiger Tommy Hilfiger's daughter and her friend It's gone. The name is gone. Her lesser known friend. And they're like 16, 17 and they're just like flying around New York, Manhattan in the back of their driver's car, Mm. planning prom on their cell phones and like, you know, just spending money. Just like, just insanely overt consumerism and like grotesque displays of wealth. And I think if that was to happen now, like there would be protests in the streets. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
1: I think so, yeah. It was uh, Jamie Glyker, daughter of Leo Gleiker, uh, the founder of Innovation Luggage, a company with a net worth of $10 million. Oh, he's no Tommy Hilfiger. No, really <laughs> truly not. Like, that's notable cameos that occurred during the programme included American Idol judge Randy Jackson who ran into the girls at a Los Angeles Eatery, former President of the United States Bill Clinton who attended <laughs> a special course. screening of the World War II film Proud, a Project Hale figure produced uh, and Ali's famous da- dad who invited his daughter to, wor- to his workplace to critique his juniors line. Oh yeah, I remember <laughs> those scenes
3: where <laughs> they're <laughs> in there with the fucking designer teams yeah. and they're just like, I don't know about that. I wouldn't wear that tank. I wouldn't wear that. Like just being absolute doses. Yeah. Unbelievable doses. Um, so yeah, but I just feel like, yeah, as a concept, I just can't see it like working now mm. anymore at all because I just think we've all had our eyes open now. Why don't we just close them? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Guys, have we ever thought about just closing our eyes and just forgetting everything about it? Actually, having said that in the same breath, I'm going to completely contradict myself. That's fine. That's what this podcast is about. Like, Housewives is us consuming, like, grotesque displays of wealth. Yeah. and it's so funny because like I know some people who won't watch certain
1: franchises but they'll watch like like Bev Hills is obviously Beverly Hills is obviously the main example because that is just like yeah because it is just or like Dubai is the latest one now where it's like Dubai makes Bev Hills look like fucking I don't know somewhere in Dublin like you know what I mean (laughs) in terms of yeah in terms of the level of wealth and stuff wow um, but they nearly some viewers kind of nearly see it as like another character to be able to see that like luxury on it because for some people I notice for me sometimes I'm watching something and I just like, I like the colours. It's like a baby sensory video or something, but it's them hawking around bags or like the f- clothes and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
3: And and just the houses. I'm obsessed with the houses. Yeah. Like, There's that level of escapism there, I suppose. You know, in, in Sex and the City, the movie, mm. the first one, like to this day, I just need to know what happened to the penthouse they bought. Like I just, it was, I couldn't cope. With the fact that they let that penthouse go, it ruined the whole movie for me. I still like. When did that movie come out? Like twenty twelve, twenty ten. I still think about that penthouse at least once a month. Like,
2: where rem- is it? Do
3: you remember the wardrobe? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. And they how had, could you like, let that go? They had a courtyard, but it was a penthouse. I just can't. I just still think about it, and then they (laughs) ended up in that disgusting, like brown leather-walled mausoleum. Sick, sick.
0: Sick.
3: I hate how. But you know what I did really like about, and just like that, was that there was a lot of property porn because she was shopping for a new place. Yeah, and like I thought that was like a genius insert on the part of the like creators. I was just like, they know that they need to deliver some like sexy interiors like to help us um, tolerate. Help Sophie White specifically forget about the (laughs) pentos. How do we distract her from that? Please, I need to heal. (laughs) They knew I needed to heal. Um, But yeah, like I would love a, and you've done a brilliant episode on this, which I loved, Fade Street. I'd love a Fade Street, Simple Life kind of collision of like some Irish celeb friends. Like, Johanna Vogue please do this that, that would be would good be amazing, I would love that.
1: wouldn't it surely that's what they just shot I remember they were just filming so they were filming something recently anyway if it's not that I'm going to be really annoyed but yeah that's like, please, what I would like God. to see please God just like Des Bishop's work experience but it's Joanna Gold, Like, like <laughs> yes, yes
3: working as lifeguards in pools and stuff like <laughs> always remember him with the Hoover yes <laughs> <laughs> Especially because I worked in a cinema when I was younger and I used to have the backpack Hoover. Yeah. And every shift, with I fail, it was like I just forgot what gravity was. And I used to bend down to Hoover under the seats and the Hoover on my back would just slide forward and deck me in the back of the head. Jesus Christ. Every single shift. (laughs) It's amazing, I probably have some kind of like like long't say it
1: maybe, maybe <laughs> um you have.
3: A new book coming out. I do. Tell us all about it. So it's called My Heart Friend. Um, i wrote it the me because Adam's laughing here. He he loves it. Love the title. I actually cannot claim credit for the title. My editor named it. Amazing. Yeah. Your editor. Originally, it was called The Revenge Ship, and I like that as well. Yeah. Well, I'm. Yeah. Sh- we. My heart friend is more. I don't know what the word is like. It's just a little bit like you get a faster understanding. Immediate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more immediate. But actually, funny enough, because like you and I were at Celebrity Memoir Book Club live shows this week and we're both big fans, obviously. And I swear, like the kernel of the idea for my hot friend came from Claire Parker of Celeb Memoir Book Club. There you go. Yeah. So do you remember, so I don't know if you're a long time listener, uh, I've been listening since... Since the beginning Not to brag uh, No I only got in around Olivia Moan. I think Oh so. you absolute blow in yeah, But I'll tolerate sorry. it Because I'm a housewife's blow in So I do understand It's very hard when like The fandom won't accept you yeah. It's not fair <laughs> um, like Especially because you're putting in the work You are um, But anyway Back back in the day on Celeb Memorable Book Club Claire had this like Falling out with a, a friend. She broke up with a friend and, like, talked about it hilariously, candidly on the podcast endlessly. I can't remember. I was a patron as well. So some of it might have been behind the paywall. Yeah. But she talked about how she was attending a wedding. And basically, the friend that she'd fallen out with was from the college friend group. Um, and the college friend group, like, had not been willing to take sides, which, as we all know, is enraging. Like, when your friend continues to like someone that you hate, Unacceptable! No, it it drives me insane. Yeah, and um, so she was disgusted that the friends wouldn't take sides. And then there was a sort of a wedding in the group coming up, and like she she had this whole thing about like essentially like um, Chloe Kardashian's revenge bod. Um, she needed to do like a revenge life so that when she went to this wedding, like all of her shit would be together. She would just like look amazing, you know. And she just like she'd be old to talk about. Yeah, Yeah, as you said her life's in order like her life's in order she's moved on she's thriving yeah and so that was like kind of the beginning of the idea was this whole thing I just felt like there's a whole canon in the rom-com sphere about breaking up with your romantic partner and we have the whole social script everyone knows what to do and it's treated with the gravitas it deserves but friendship breakups, it's just this kind of hinterland mm. of like, what are you supposed to do? Nobody's taking it as seriously as you are, which is outrageous because it's harder than a divorce. I'm certain, though I have never experienced divorce. Um, and so that was kind of the the idea for my hot friend was like, it's about three girls, Lexi, Joanne, not named after Joanne McNally. Slightly, maybe. (laughs) Lexi, Joanne, and Claire, and they've all broken up with their friends for different reasons. So, like, Claire has the classic school friend WhatsApp group, and she's known these girls for years. It's a kind of legacy friendship, you know, the way you're in those groups and like you don't ever leaving. It's jail. It's purgatory. Yeah, yeah. 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 And like, I actually through writing the book got talking to loads of people who had left those groups, and like, um, and. It's definitely a real thing Like it's a kind of A crossing the Rubicon Of like Do you stay Or do you go And like A lot of those friendships They literally materialised Out of uh, Just logistics and geography You were li- You lived in the same area You went to the same school You had a small pool of people To choose from and They became your friends mm. Having said that I love my school friends Obviously yeah. um, So Claire's WhatsApp chat With the school friends Has gone like weirdly quiet Which can only mean one thing Side group And she's getting super paranoid about it. And then, like, so some of this, like, I kind of enjoy how low stakes it is, but, like, at the same time, that's what these friendship breakups are. Oh, 100%. Like, if you explain them to somebody, it's like, it's, you know... Somebody's for, never life or death like is the thing. No, but it's it, but feels, it feels like, like it. it. Exactly. And so then Joanne has just had a baby and is going through, which I really related to this story a lot. Like I had my baby before anybody in my friend group had had babies and I just felt so cut off from them. I just was like, none of these people have any concept of what my reality is like now and that's really hard to deal with. Yeah. And like new motherhood, it's a fucking lonely time. Like, I think there isn't a woman or a person who's become a parent who doesn't feel disconnected from their old life. And then the kind of most kind of, I suppose, like fun, catty, bitchy storyline is Lexi, who is like a celebrity best friend. She has a podcast with her best friend, Amanda. And um, when like, so they've, basically completely monetize their friendship. They're like performing their friendship for an audience of thousands. Uh, it was kind of inspired by the caller daddy falling out that I like devoured and followed assiduously. Um, and so their, their breakup's extremely public. And basically for all of those different reasons, each of these women need a new best friend. And there is, I don't know, like, Again, as I said, it sounds weirdly low stakes, but I think female friendship is, like, underexplored. And I think we're kind of getting there. There's way more, like, fun stuff now, kind of. But also, like, it's sometimes so kind of minimised or it's really, like, boiled down to, like, women are bitchy, mm. which is really irritating mm. because we're not. We're complex bitchy creatures, you know. Um, we have many shades of bitchy. <laughs> and um, so... And like, I kind of just wanted, like there's things like Claire's best friend is engaged and I can't, like, I cannot overstate how much fun I had writing about when your friend gets engaged and like just how how batshit it it all becomes so rapidly. So like everything in My Hot Friend comes to a head on a um, pre-hen hen do, Jesus it's not even yeah. the actual hen yeah. and they're in a beta. <laughs> um, so that's the book like it's it's fun like it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> but it there is fun. there is a content warning as well. Like there is kind of more serious elements like um there's definitely a lot about mental health and mental illness in the book um which I suppose like might be a little surprising given the cover. But I kind of think all of these books that I write where I'm Definitely like I'm out to have fun and I'm out to entertain and like just make something that's really easy and escapist. Like, I just because I love those novels myself, and um, but I think I always kind of like track some kind of themes through them, whether it's like alcoholism or like um grief or any of those. Like, there's always kind of like, yeah, this, as I said, I'm a complex um you know, many shades of bitchiness person.
1: But oh, um but I'm in, yeah, the middle of, uh, I'm in
3: the middle of the snag list at the minute as well to oh,
1: give that a shout out. Yeah. I hey. enjoying it a lot. So.
3: oh deadly. Yeah. Well I'm gonna leave this for you as well. Yes. It's <sighs> bloody absolute tome. And I have to say, great value for money. There you go. Great value for money and it's in shops now. Amazing.
1: <laughs> I will leave all links below um if anyone wants to order online. But go in and support local bookshops as well, don't be don't be a dickhead. Um, and sports trophy, <laughs> obviously. Um, but you do podcasts as well and you're lots of other places. Do you yeah. want to give them a shout out? And yeah. I will leave links to them below as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I co-host The Creep Dive with uh, Jen O'Dwyer and Cassie Delaney. We've been going for many a year. Um, never. So we just tell weird ass stories. I mean, it's devolved like so much. Like it used to be like anything but murder. Was what our vague tagline in our own heads, like our own remit was, um, but now it's like, oh my god, like frequent episodes on bestiality, there's frequent episodes on Columbine, frequent episodes on Titanic. I'm talking about some of my pet subjects there, and then <laughs> I co-host Mother of Pod with, um, like, again, like. My hot friend is very meta because it's a celebrity, like, oh, celebrity friendship. Okay, they're celebrities, but I do podcasts with my best friends. And like uh, Jen and Cassie, when I first started talking about the idea for this book, were like, do not write this. You are (laughs) begging the universe to fuck with us. Do not do this. Um, But I went ahead and did it. Um, (laughs) Oops, (laughs) Oops, sorry. The other podcast I co host is Mother Pod, and it's like a comedy parenting podcast. Now, we keep it tucked away safe behind a paywall. Um, because our kids are getting older and we have to well I was about to be like we have to talk less shit about them but no what we have to do is monetize the shit we talk about our kids <laughs> um, so we have a lovely community over there um, uh, Mother of Pod and yeah I do various bits uh, write a column for the Sunday Indo bits and bobs which I love yeah. the Up to Life magazine forever oh, my fave thank you I'm on the back page can't they're miss they're looking her for me. I'm this. I'm the final Sign off. Um, So, yeah, that's it. I've plugged my wares. I've had a ball here chatting about my favourite subject. Did I allow you to speak at any point? Um,
1: on numerous occasions, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you'll have to come back. I'd love to get you back and we should, we should watch, uh, re-watch for you, but watch for me, rich girls. And I'd love you to come back and do an episode on that because that's so floppy. Like,
3: yeah, oh yeah, quintessential flop. flop. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Um, but it's been a pleasure.
1: Otherwise, as I said, my half friend is out now. All the links are below. Go bye. Um, Sophie it. White, an absolute pleasure to have you on Flop Culture. Thanks so much. Thank you. A big, big, big thank you to Sophie White for joining me. Sophie White's new book, My Hot Friend, is out now, as she mentioned, and you can also catch her hosting The Creep Dive wherever you get podcasts and Mother of Pod at broadcast.talltales.ie. I will leave links to everything in the show notes. And I realise that every time I talk about leaving links, I say below as if you can see where I mean. Uh, and that could be anywhere to you. So it'll just be in the episode description, just to be abundantly clear if you're ever looking for any info like that. Finally, it is vital that we address who is Top of the Flops this week.
3: You're a flop. flop, 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 flop.
1: Top of the Flops this week is whatever movie executive conceptualized and then subsequently signed off on the live action version of Flounder in The Little Mermaid. Does everyone remember when people were like actively protesting over Halle Bailey being cast as Ariel and being very crass about that because the fictional mermaid didn't look how their real life mermaid, a creature that doesn't exist, didn't look the same to them in their head, right? This, this is what we actually should have been protesting over, right? This is, they have massacred my boy. Let's look at live action Sebastian, right? For comparison, he resembles a real life crab because I get that that's a stumbling block you're going to come upon with the live action remake. They need to look like the the real life thing that they're supposed to be. But he's like resembles a real life crab, kind of as cute little cartoon eyes, right? The the spirit of Sebastian is there in my opinion. I'm like open to this new interpretation of Sebastian, right? Flounder, the animated version Gorgeous, yellow, blue ball, joyous, full of childlike wonder, right? That's the image you have right now. Incinerate it. In he's dead. The old Flounder can't come to the phone right now because he's dead. He is Flounder is now an Ozempic. Flounder has been waterboarded to all hell. That this fish has seen atrocities beyond human comprehension. He's dead. Look at his eyes. He is he is dead. He is dead in the eyes. There's not a single grain of joy in those eyes. There's no, there's no color in him. The fish is like gray, okay This is a fish that's you know it, at the bottom of whatever fish tank you own, the neglected fish you've forgotten to put food in for like two weeks and so now it's just resorted to eating the plastic pebbles on the bottom of the fish tank and now it looks like that. I hate this Flounder and I need the plot of The Little Mermaid to be Ariel calling her dad to be like, something terrible has happened to Flounder and I need you to execute him. I need you to triton him. Is triton a verb? Anyway, I need, get that big prong of yours. There's fish, fish on the menu, fish a la carte, death to live action Flounder. I've never actually hated a character more in in my entire life and I just cannot believe how much they've Fumbled the bag here in huge ways. Absolutely no disrespect to Jacob Tremblay who's doing the voice. I'm sure you'll do a great job, child actor, person, but this is unforgivable. This is, as a flounder, an OG flounder stan, unbelievable. Un- Unbelievable. I'm not looking forward to The Little Mermaid now because I just know I'll have to be faced with multiple scenes of this, of this absolutely hollow-eyed Freak anyway thanks so much for listening please rate the show five stars on Apple podcasts if you do I'll recommend a bop or a flap to you all you have to do is leave your nickname in the review and I will mention you at the end of next week's episode you can also leave a five-star review on Spotify thank you all for the new five-star reviews and reviews I've been getting in they make my heart sing makes me so happy uh, this podcast has been edited by Adam Shanahan until next time bye Perfect.